Welcome to the Selling Without Sleeves podcast with me, Sarah Jolly Jarvis. I'm here to share with you real life stories from high performing salespeople and business owners, as well as my own insights and learnings around what's working well right now in the sales world, telling things like it is without the sleeves. Today I'm here with Mike Samuels. Uh, he not only is a copywriter, a very successful copywriter, but he also helps other people to become successful copywriters and get that balance of um, having a work-life balance um, and getting earning a higher rate than what they potentially have done so far. So welcome, Mike. Yeah, you're hey, very Sarah, welcome. Thank you for me. Um, actually, Mike came off a recommendation from a couple of people who said they'd like to have him on my show because they think he isn't sleazy and they really like his approach. So I was like, yeah, definitely. Um, so, you know, a little bit of a take on a different take in that it's copywriting rather than, you know, actually promoting yourself, um, having conversations. But obviously, to grow your copywriting business, you've not only had to be good at copywriting, but you have had to sell to people, haven't you? Yeah, it's one of those things where I'll often say, like, I don't do sales, and that's not really correct. You know, everyone does sales. If you've got a business, you are selling stuff. But it's certainly, I've never had any official sales training. Um, I don't tend to do quote unquote sales calls. Um, it's all been through the written word. And as we talked about a bit before, a lot about kind of building relationships and, and having people want to buy into you rather than you trying to force yeah, yourself that makes on sense. them. So, so, how long have you been doing this for now? It's been quite a while, hasn't it? So I've been writing since about 2012, 2013. I started off with content writing. So I used to write articles, mostly in the fitness space because I was a personal trainer for about six years or so. Um, yeah, about that long. So I always wanted to be a fitness writer. And so I got into content writing. Then um, I'll give you yeah. a bit of a mini backstory, I guess, if that's okay. Um, so yeah, about sort of 2013, 2014, uh, one of my personal training clients, I found out he was a copywriter. And he just seemed to have this really cool life. So he he worked very hard, but he didn't work a lot. He was only a few years older than me and he was minted. And at the time, I was very much in that frame of mind of, I want the penthouse, I want the supercar, I want all this, that and the other. Um, and he gave me a bit of an intro. Um, so I sort of got my, um, got my first taste of copywriting then and then didn't really do anything with it. Um, I was typical sort of procrastinator. The fitness stuff was going pretty well. Um, so I didn't sort of make any moves on it. And then end of 2014, I think, I met our mutual friend, Dan Meredith. And Dan actually, initially I hired him to mentor me um, for stuff mm -hmm. with my online fitness business. And about a month or two into our relationship, he said to me, the, the thing that stands out about you is your writing. Have you considered going to copy? And I sort of told him, like, I know what it is. And I've, I've sort of dabbled with it slightly, but mm -hmm. haven't ever done it properly. And so he said to me, like I, he was running his copywriting agency at the time. He said, why don't you come work for me? We'll do, you know, you work for me. I'll, I'll mentor you for free. And then after a few months, that turned into more of a, like me being, as he referred to it as his number two. Um, so basically, <laughs> that was, that was, that, that was a better phrase than it could have been. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so he won the business and I did most of it. Um, but that was fine. That suited me. Um, Without him, I wouldn't have, uh, yeah, I wouldn't have got into it at all. So I'm massively grateful for that. And and we had loads of fun working together. Um, yeah, and then it's sort of gone from then. So I sort of dabbled between that and fitness for about a year. And then finally thought, you know what? I don't particularly enjoy the fitness stuff that much anymore. Copywriting's got a lot more potential. And so probably just under four years ago, I decided to for that to be the only thing that I do. And then 
spent another couple of years mainly writing copy for other people. And then the last 18 months or so, it's gradually transitioned to more being helping other people. And where did that transition come from? Was it wanting a bit more of a work-life balance or because it is, it is time for money still, isn't it? But yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, I had a lot better work-life balance yeah. with copy stuff than fitness, but it was still probably, you know, sort of 50, 55 hours a week of work, which was fine because, you know, it, it, it paid very well and I enjoyed it and you got to work with some really cool clients. But I felt that I'd got, I'd started to get more towards the lifestyle I wanted and then started moving further away from it. And really the only way to, to kind of keep going was to reduce hours. So I thought, well, how can I help more people? And actually the way of doing that was as cliche as it kind of is, you know, you learn to do something and you start teaching other people to do it. I'm very well aware that's, a, that's, you know, the transition a lot of people make, but it just seemed like the obvious one to do. And I did feel there was a bit of a gap there that a lot of the copywriting stuff I'd done in terms of courses, um, as good as it was, it was much more about, uh, a lot of kind of scarcity stuff, a lot of um, a lot of wordplay about you know manipulations. Maybe a bit too strong a word, but it didn't always sit well with me ethically. Um, and so I thought there was a, a, a gap in the market for that. And also, um, less so than I used to be, but I'm definitely much more of a, a natural introvert. And I felt a lot of the stuff out there was designed for people who were a bit more extroverted. So I thought, well, I'm sure there's something I can do that, that blends that, that talks about, you know, the money and the lifestyle, because that's always been a, a thing that I've I've held kind of freedom as more of a value than anything else. So kind of time freedom, locational freedom. And then intertwining the um, introvert stuff and the uh, non-salesy yeah. so stuff. So I think you know you put on there as um, on your bio. I was looking on your Facebook, and it's like helping copywriters earn higher rates, have more freedom without being a sleazy twonk. Which yeah, totally fits <laughs> the bill. <laughs> yeah, I, I played around with a few versions of that, and I think that one kind of was the the snappiest one that I could put in without sounding too much like a sort of internet marketing guru because there well. is a lot there is a lot of sleaze out there in copy isn't there there's a lot of and and how have you navigated that what have you you know how have you handled that with clients who've wanted to be a little bit more pushy what how do you how do you work that relationship out I certainly think when writing for clients a big thing is to I wouldn't say leave your ethics aside because there's certainly been stuff I've turned down because I've felt it hasn't been ethical but looking at certainly writing in their voice is a big one. So if I have got a client who says something like, you know, we're doing this campaign, we want to send five emails on the final day and we want to really push people to buy. It's like, okay, I wouldn't do that for my list, but you're not hurting anyone by doing that. Um, it's, it's kind of your relationship on the line. I don't do it with my list because I, I don't think it would help the relationship to do that. But if they want to do it, you know, it's a strategy that can work. So I'm okay with doing that. So detaching yourself from the, from the copy and thinking, right, I'm, I, I am the client now. I'm not me. Yeah. I'm the, you know, whoever is selling their product or service, whatever. Um, that's definitely helped. And then I think that just being honest about a lot of stuff. So in terms of promoting yourself rather than working for copy clients, but promoting yourself, it's fine to talk about stuff like money to make, claims and stuff if they're true and if you can back them up you know there's a lot of people who are throwing around the, the whole six figure stuff which is absolutely fine if you've legitimately earned six figures and helped others to do so if not i think that's when it crosses the line of being you know kind of showing like one into, month into it's like that, that, that one month was the equivalent of i'm, I'm at six figures <laughs> yep. 
<laughs> love it and so you kind of so really you detach, detach yourself from this is the client you know and, and obviously copywriting is a lot about talking in that client's voice isn't it and, and, and what they would say so then it's it, I suppose it makes you really aware though of where that person's at on the scale because you're sort of really you're consciously looking at would they say this would they say that yeah, and I think that's why, certainly with the people that I help now, I try and get them to, um, to kind of look more for long-term clients, so to get retainer deals and stuff, just because that makes it a lot easier. And and also just looking at things that, that the person you're writing for has done before as well and trying to get a really good feel of their voice because um, it's pretty important, you know, if you're, if you're coming in and, and writing someone's email list who they've been emailing themselves for a year or whatever, you need to have their voice to it as well. And so, yeah, that's pretty important. You know, you're, you're being hired because you're good at what you do, but you need to have that blend of being good at what you do, but at the same time, take you on board, their values, their ideas, how they write, all that. So where do you well. draw the line? You know, like, where have you been? Like, no, I'm not, I'm not working with you. I mean, obviously not naming names, but like, what, what would be like just an absolute no-no? What has been a no-no for you? Uh, anything that claims to actually cure or heal a disease, I think is very, very sketchy ground. So I've worked on some health offers before about things like improving joint pain, uh, improving things like diabetes. But anytime someone's come to me and said, oh, our supplement cures so-and-so, that's a massive red flag that I, I don't really want to work with them. Same thing if it's someone with an income offer and they want to do something that they've clearly not done themselves, I wouldn't do that. So the the sort of health market and the supplement market is often one where it can be a bit shaky. So I'll, I'll only work with reputable brands. Like I said, it has to be things that if I read through some of their stuff and I just don't get a good feeling about it, mm-hmm. that's no-no for me. Um, also, I think just a, a, a one thing that I try and get people I work with to do now as well is... Um, ideally work with, it's only bigger clients, but work with bigger clients who have their own legal department, just because that way at least you know what your writing is covered as well, which won't be a huge number of companies, but there are quite a few out there, again, in, in health, in They're finance, and supplements, sort of that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So you need like your your legal boundaries, and obviously they're pretty pretty concrete. That There's no, uh, no sort of... Well, a lawyer would argue there is interpretation involved, <laughs> you're a copywriter not yeah, a lawyer <laughs> yeah um but also have your your personal code of practice as well so there's some people who i think almost i wouldn't say they're too moral at all but they will see one tiny thing i don't entirely agree with and go i'm not touching that at all and it's like well if you've got that approach you're probably never going to get clients because people might look at your stuff and go well i don't agree with that as well so that's very much personal perception of things but if there's a few things there where you think, yeah, this doesn't seem 100% legit, I wouldn't say don't do it because at the end of the day, we've all got to eat. If that's the only thing you're off that month, I wouldn't judge someone for taking on something that was a bit shady. That's their personal call. But for me, there's some, yeah, if there's, you know, one big red flag or there's a few amber flags there, I'm like, yeah, if I don't need this job. But the I'm thing is, you, are, you have to protect your brand as well, don't you? You know, it isn't even though people appreciate yeah. that you're, you're talking and you're communicating in that person's tone and everything else, you're still aligning yourself in that scenario. Because I know yeah. we've, we've worked with people who've yeah. worked with you yeah. and we're like, oh, you must be all right, because Mike's worked with you. And, and that's the thing is, is you know, when you're aware of people and you have an opinion, but obviously, yeah, you, know, you do a few shady ones and everyone will be like, oh, okay, I might look into this a bit more. 
Yeah, and I think you obviously, as you go through a career in anything, your your views evolve, and you probably get more. You'll disqualify more people as you go through because when you start off, you're very eager to get as much work as you can and get experience. So, if someone comes to me and they say, "Well, you know, I've written for these people, and I think you know there's some stuff there that I don't agree with," like, yeah, it's not not a big issue for me necessarily. But if you're if you're consistently putting out stuff that is very much you read it and you think, well, that's just not true. Again, I think, you know, I wouldn't want to, to judge anyone massively on their own personal morals. And I, I don't want to say own, to people, this is but my way But it's lining yourself Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and certainly reputation when it comes to, it's not so bad if you are just working for clients because if you're working, say, the health space and you do offers for that are very, very hard hitting and very on the line when it comes to compliance and legality and stuff, if you want to just do that for the rest of your life, it's mm. it's fine. You know, there's there's no sort of downside to that. But if you then want to go into another niche or if you then start promoting yourself in terms of doing similar to what I do now, if people are asking you for yeah. examples of stuff you've done, it's a bit like, well, all of a sudden you've gone from having like 30 case studies down to maybe one or two that you don't yeah. feel really no, that makes about. Sense. It's a bit like acting actually, isn't it? you know when you start the career it's like apart from Jennifer Aniston who's pretty much just gone all out with any film ever but like a lot of them they start off with some really dodgy interesting ones and then as they yeah progress they get more and more selective so yeah yeah similar sort of thing yeah and then crossing the line into alternative acting which yeah then crossing back again you've kind of had it but yeah yeah I was thinking of that when you were saying it um so one of the questions that I get asked a lot is how do you create a sense of urgency in a product or service when it doesn't naturally have a deadline? Because lots of people, I, when I did my challenge, I did a challenge last week and one of the things was to put together an offer. So I sort of, when I say offer, I say, you know, it's like product or service. And it was like, how can you create that sense of urgency for that person and maintain that integrity? Because I think there's so many false deadlines out there. Everyone's been subjected to them. How do you handle that and how do you work with clients with that? There's probably two things for this for me. One is that if it actually fits having some kind of deadline or some kind of offer cut off, it's perfectly fine to do that. So like for me, when I've released a course, it's always been um, here's the sort of first offer where if you come on at this intake, it's it's the, the cheapest price it's going to be. Um, the next intake, it's a bit more expensive again. And then after that, it's going to go to cold traffic and it will stay at a, mm-hmm. a one off higher price same thing you know if you are actually going to have deadlines and stuff you know price increases that's absolutely fine but just stick to them because coming back to the reputation thing if you you can get away with that once you don't really get away with that more than once so even though i don't think it's morally correct to to do it once anyway you've obviously you know you can do that but yeah do it more than once it's, it's going to piss people off essentially uh the other thing though that i think is pretty powerful and people don't often uh, look into enough is more the deadline of just getting people to act now so in terms of it's often referred to as the crossroads position and you give people a choice you say look just take for example it might be the end of a sales letter or the end of an email you say something like uh you've got a couple of choices now your first choice is to take everything you've, you've read on this page and to do nothing with it or to go back to trying a b and c methods that don't work and in three months time you'll be sat there thinking why did I not take action on this because I'm still stuck with all these problems? Or your other option is to take a chance on what you've got here and in three months' time, here's what's going to happen. And so you 
you future pace it in terms of future pace three months things could still be rubbish for you or three months things could be amazing for you so like in, in one of my last launches i did an email um when was it went out sort of autumn time last year and the email got people to picture what christmas could be like so it could be the fact that christmas you're sat there thinking yeah 2019 has been a, a bit of a crap year for me and actually i should have done a lot more than i have and i had these opportunities but for whatever reason i didn't take them or you could be sat there at christmas in the pub with your mates around the table with your family telling everyone about how great the last few months has been for you and again i do that in a way that is not kind of pushing an offer down someone's throat i don't do it so that people feel um a big thing that I, I i learned from the the first guy who i um the, the the old pt client i was saying brought me into copywriting was that one thing he always tries to do is make people feel good when they read sales material whether they buy or not so that's kind of my mantra to that but i still think you can use that with that crossroads position of here's what's going to happen if you don't invest versus here's what oh, that's a good, yeah, invest. i talk to people quite a lot around this is what you know particularly when you've got a, a product or a service like you're selling which is isn't the most positive, um, you know, and, it, and it's working on a negative subject or it's, it's helping people to realize things that might make them feel uncomfortable. It's like people do remember how you made them feel and, and leaving them with that thought process. Yep. But actually, yeah, the future self stuff, you can, you can spin that into a positive way by painting the positive picture as well as the, you know, the counteracting that with, you know, be still in the same place as you are now. Yeah. And in many ways, I think that's often more powerful than a discount or a cut off, because if it's something's that important to someone, then actually is a is a 200 pound discount really going to matter that much. Yeah, it's going to sway them to doing it. If if you're you're going to sell it next time at 500 quid, and it's now 300. Yeah, people want that discount, but it's not necessarily going to be the thing that does it. Whereas what actual make and take action is the emotion of thinking, yeah, do you know what? I don't want to be here in however long it is, six weeks, 12 weeks a year still feeling these negative emotions I've got now. I want yeah. to experience oh, that, that positive. Sense. I like that. Yeah, nice. Good. Um, well, yeah, because <laughs> the, the whole future self thing, it, it is a really powerful thing, isn't it? You know, it's a very, the emotions and everything yeah. else you can touch with that. And then, you know, people talk around, you know, imagining yourself and, and doing the whole vision thing. And, you know, and then you get into a little bit of the world of woo. But, you know, it's that thought process of these are the steps. You're actually giving them actionable things. You're giving them a resource that can help them do that. So yeah 100% um, definitely so a little bit about your content because actually the the suggestion which came to me was somebody who'd been following you on Facebook so one of the guys had said um yeah you know I've been following I'm following Mike on Facebook and I've actually what he said and how he is um really resonated with me and he's actually he actually bought one of your courses um, I'm not quite sure about the other one because they didn't they didn't go into as much detail but this person was proper fan and um and they said um you know looking at your post because I, I, you know, they come in from my newsfeed and, and I find them quite, you know, you are, you are to the point, you don't apologize for your, how you feel. Have you always been like that? Um, I've always been quite opinionated. I'm not, I'm not afraid to admit that. I think I used to worry about other people's judgment a lot more. Um, I don't mind putting something up if I genuinely believe it. And if it's not, I was going to say if it links into what I do, it doesn't have to link into <laughs> Sometimes it doesn't, all, does it? <laughs> no. Yeah, probably, probably 70% of it doesn't. But for me, it's about values. Um, and they can be very much non-work related. But I don't mind talking about something publicly if it represents a value I have. 
So, you know, everyone will know that I'm, I wouldn't say like a, you know, a hardened capitalist and that's, you know, that's the only way of doing things, but I'm pretty pro-capitalism. I'm very much for things like free markets. I'm very much for freedom of choice. Um, I have quite libertarian viewpoints. I'm perfectly happy to talk about those openly because I think if someone sees that, if they don't agree with it, that's absolutely fine. And I'd like to think that if someone didn't, then they would either do what I do when I see something I don't agree with and think, you know what, I don't agree with that, but they probably got their reasons for doing that. Or I talk about it with them and say, have you considered this point of view? Or I want to, you know, I'd, I'd enjoy learning why you think that way so I can get a better understanding of it. Um, or people are going to agree with it. Anyone who sees stuff like that and goes, he's an idiot, or I really don't agree with that, and therefore he's got nothing of value to say, we're probably not going to get on that well anyway. So I don't mind getting a bit of stick from people. Um, I prefer it if someone disagrees, if they say, and we have a bit of a discussion, because I do find that interesting to kind of go through, you know, people's worldviews, people's, mm. everyone has different upbringing, experiences and stuff. So I find it quite interesting to see why people think what they do. So yeah, it, it took a bit of... Um, kind of getting over the idea of being judged and getting criticism. But yeah, the sort of more controversial stuff usually has a reason and it is to, to sort of spark debate or to get across the value, I think. So yeah, it's still, you know, you get someone who really lays into you or occasionally someone will message you and, and it's a it's a tirade against you about how awful you are. And it's like, well, it's kind of par for the course. But generally it's stuff that I think that the people who I would want to work with would either resonate with or would be interested in yeah, and want so to it's the open-mindedness element rather than the, everything that you say mike i totally agree with yeah yeah and you know i, I quite like it when someone who i i might align say 90 percent with says to me actually i don't agree with that because i think okay cool maybe i'm wrong on that maybe it's a chance to have a chat about things maybe i'll feel yeah. even stronger about what so i believe much, at the moment you? or maybe, opening up that conversation yeah. but it's the fact yeah. that you've opened up that conversation and actually it's a conversation I tend to find with somebody that you respect. So it's like when, when somebody, as you say, they're aligned with you or you just, you know, you respect their opinion for whatever reason and they come up with something like that, you're like, oh, okay, yeah. fair enough. Yeah, yeah. And I'd say, you know, some of my best friends who I've sort of met through social media, I guess, actually we think very differently on a few things, but the commonality is the ability to have a conversation about it and to understand, not even understand each other's point of view, but understand that, like I said, people have different experiences of stuff and that's sort of okay for the most part. I mean, there's some things that I'm sure people would disagree on that would ruin friendships. And I think that's, you know, if someone's got particularly extreme views, that's fine. But yeah, with, with content, I think it's fine to be polarizing as long as there's a reason for it. If you're just doing it, to try and wind people up. You, it's probably you not that though, the best idea. You? I have been You can see that. And, I, yeah. and I think that's the thing is what I find I like about your posts is that, I mean, do you wake up and think, you know what, well, I'm just going to be controversial today? Or you're like, where does it come? Because you have to be in the right frame of mind because sometimes that would really hack me off when people push back on what I'm saying. Yeah, most of the time it's just something that I tend to have thought about. It's usually that um, I'll have sort of had a rant to someone in person about something. Um, and there will be there's been something that comes up there. Um, but yeah, usually most of my content is done kind of on the hoof, really. So I don't tend to pre-plan stuff. Um, and oftentimes I'll have an idea for a while and I'll play around with it a bit in terms of different forms of wording. And sometimes I think actually that is something I feel strongly about, but I don't think it's going to resonate with people. I don't think it's going to 
do anything positive for positioning, so to speak, or for relationships. So I don't bother with it um, because I think with that kind of stuff, it's very easy to come across as either someone who's angry yeah. or negative. Um, and again, I've done that a lot in the past and I look back and think there was probably a way you could have said that, but in a way that actually maybe had a lesson with it or had a bit of value with it or was was done with a bit more empathy and compassion, I think. So that's what I want to try and get across now is if I have a, a quote unquote controversial viewpoint, it's showing that there's understanding yeah. of the other side yeah. as so well. It's, it's constructive rather than a... I like to think so, and I'm very well aware it probably misses the mark sometimes as well. So it's, you do, it's all you do do it though I'm with the awareness of your, you know, your your audience because you have you built where's most of your client base come from? Has it been social media and Facebook or is that where they hang out? Yeah, I've generally done. Yeah, most of it's happened organically. So in terms of my email list, that's all been built off organic stuff through social, um, mostly personal Facebook page, and then in terms of getting an audience on Facebook, that's definitely been, uh, I suppose a lot of people I'm still connected with from the fitness stuff. So like when I first started going to fitness conferences, you'd always obviously add each other and then there's always in groups and that. So probably about a third of the audience was, was gained in the fitness stages. And then, yeah, last couple of years, I think just as with anything, you tend to connect yeah. with people and someone will, might share something in the group and you get loads of friend requests and stuff. So yeah, so it's, it's always been, been organic. Pretty much, yeah. I've dabbled with other bits. Well, I mean, I have an Instagram that I use occasionally, which yeah, it does okay. I quite enjoy Instagram, but um, I never run any co um, any Facebook ads for copy stuff. Never done any paid traffic for copy. Um, I will do probably at some point in the future. Um, but yeah, fitness stuff. I dabbled with some paid traffic as well, which worked well. But generally, yeah, always been organic and ninety percent yeah, Facebook. Okay. I'd say that's good. Um, yeah, because I think the 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 being conscious of who you're talking to and, and their responses is, is yeah, you know, it's, it's something you probably, you bought that really from your copywriting side, haven't you? Yeah, definitely. I think there's, um, there's elements of um, more kind of like the messaging behind it rather than hmm. necessarily how to write, but certainly that thing, like I was saying, with values, with um, getting across things like story as well, I suppose. I do a lot of posts that have story woven into them and that kind of stuff and the emotion as well. So yeah, it's, I, yeah, copyright. I guess you can't really, it's difficult stuff. once you've learned a skill to, you can't really leave it at the door. If it's going to be helpful, why wouldn't you include it? Yeah, yeah, basically. And you find even stuff like replying to a normal email from someone, you, you'll start to do those same things. So like I'll use really short sentences and put ellipses like in three sentences in a row and stuff. And you think actually people don't really write like that in an email. So I should probably sort of tone it back. And Wait, I noticed so. I put dot, dot, dot like everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's quite difficult to get out. Of and how do you think that's really, helped so. you? How do you think it has helped you with the selling side of things? Yeah, definitely. Again, the, the psychological aspect, because how people's brains work, I think anyway, and someone might correct me, but very, very similar in terms of whether they're reading it, or whether they're yeah, talking to someone, listening to it, whatever. So yeah, it's certainly been, you know, when you know about things like uh, people buy with emotion rather than logic, there needs to be some kind of scarcity, whether it is the, you know, 
the the, the date, the price, or the the future pacing idea. Um, you know, you need to build rapport with someone. Obviously, on the phone, you might do that with a with a back and forth or in person. Uh, in a sales letter, you do that through telling their story and showing that you understand their pain points. Yeah, I think that that's helped a lot. So even though I don't kind of do sales, so to speak, um, I'm very well aware that basically if you have a business you do sales so never done any specific sales training but the copy stuff has helped yeah, a lot with that, that definitely I'm, I'm 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 working my copy is definitely on playing catch up <laughs> it's something i'm working on but yeah something that you know martin said that that's helped him a lot with communication and everything else so yeah he keeps talking back to you want to be working on your copy i'm like yeah i am <laughs> thank you critic <laughs> That's <laughs> cool. It's been really, really lovely to speak to you. Um, you know, as, as far as anybody who yeah, wants to get right. into copywriting, where would be your suggestion of where to start? I think getting on email lists of either decent copywriters. So there's people out there who've been there for years. Um, people like Doberman Dan, people like Brian Kurt, Justin Goff. Getting on email lists of people like that. And also just looking at what comes through that you like. So looking at products or courses or whatever that you've bought and seeing, okay, why did I buy that? What moved me about that? Um, whether that's getting on email lists for different brands, whether that's looking at adverts um, and probably just buying a few copywriting books off Amazon as well. You know, set yourself a 50 quid, 100 quid budget, buy a few different bits. I recommend things like uh, there's a book called The Advertising Solution, which is very, very good. Uh, Ogilvy on Advertising. Um, is an excellent book as well. There's a few others. The Copywriting Handbook, I think, is another one. So, yeah, have a look at some bestsellers on Amazon um, and just dropping 50 quid, 100 quid on that is a is a decent way to start, basically. Um, and also try some yourself. It's going to be pretty bad to begin with, but that's like learning any skill. You know, give it a go. Use social media as a testing ground if you want to. Uh, if you have an email list, start emailing them if you're not. And actually, a lot of the stuff, I'm not afraid to say that I learned by doing it badly, realizing it was bad and then doing it better. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> and how often do you email your email list? Uh, I do twice a week. Just I found that to be sort of the sweet spot. I'm not against daily email. I think if you want to do daily email, you can. Uh, I personally think it's, if you, it's more yeah. of a quality over quantity thing. So I prefer a couple of times a week. Um, I think sort of two to four times a week is decent. You can get away with one, any less than once a week. I think you probably want to be trying to hit that once a week mark. But yeah, for me, two, three times and a week. And I speak to people who do spot. newsletters and they'll send it out like once a month. And I'm always like break that down into, you know, four or five different emails. What are your thoughts on that? Is that what you do? Yeah, I, I'm not against someone sending a bigger monthly newsletter, but I think there has yeah. to be stuff in between that as well. You know, I don't buy into the idea that you need to be in someone's inbox every day. Again, if you want to, that can work. A lot of people do daily email very well. Personally, I've unsubscribed from most daily emails because I just, I never got around to reading them and I'd think I'll read that later. Then you end up with a load of them. Whereas if someone's emailing me a couple of times a week, I will read that. But yeah, I would certainly say a monthly newsletter is probably not enough. As you said, you want to break it down into weekly chunks. Or even if you do that one longer monthly one, on the weeks in between, just send something short. Tell them a, a brief story of something that happened to you. Or the week before you send the longer newsletter, send a bit of a teaser as to, to what's coming. But try and be in people's inboxes once a week at least, I think is not oh, a bad strategy. Thank you very much for your time and your insight. It has been really, really nice to speak to you. No and uh, yeah, I think I think you're, yeah, the, the, the guys which requested you, I think they'll, um, they'll, 
I'll love you even more now. <laughs> Thanks very much, love. A big thank you once again to Mike Samuels for his time today. If you didn't like him before, I'm sure you do now. If you'd like to find out more information about him, then do head over to his Facebook page where you can find all things copywriting. Thanks for listening to the Selling Without Sleeves podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please head over to iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you're listening from to leave us a review. It's a good way for us to know what you like so we can create more of it.